welcome to the second episode of Paper in a Nutshell. My name is Devayan Bhattacharya and I am a master student at Technische Universität Hamburg. The focus of my research is in deep learning and artificial intelligence. I take a paper every episode and dissect it into its core ideas. I hope to release an episode once every week for easy papers or once every two weeks for difficult papers. However, I would like to inform you, my dear listeners, that my master thesis and my working student job are going on in full swing. Therefore, there might be a situation where I do not release an episode for a considerable time. My goal is to release many episodes, but to make sure that each episode that I release is worth your time. I do not read just the paper being discussed, but I read many supplementary papers and articles to better understand the paper being discussed, after which I summarize my thoughts into a script. Therefore, this takes a chunk of my time every week. In case I fail to release an episode once a week or once every two weeks, I hope that you do not go away and wait for my next episode. Without further ado, let's begin today's episode. In today's paper, we discuss UNETS, the revolutionary neural network that took research in deep learning-based medical imaging analysis to a new level. We discuss what UNET is, what it is used for, and why it works specifically in medical imaging analysis. The world of image analysis relied very much on hand-engineered features before the deep learning revolution. A lot of fine-tuning went into extracting relevant features, and then statistical classifiers were employed to perform classification tasks. Definitely, it was not a trivial task. Ever since deep learning came into the picture, we have mostly rid ourselves of performing cumbersome hand engineering tasks. Hand engineering was replaced by automatic learning from data. Extracting features manually gave way to automatic feature extraction derived entirely from the data. This is fundamentally at the heart of deep learning, extracting high-level features to solve the task at hand. Think about this. If I tell you to think of a cat, you immediately have picture in your mind. The high-level features you might be thinking about could be the whiskers, big round eyes, furry body, tail, pointed ears, size, color, and so on. The sum of all these make up a cat. The point being is that you do not think of a cat in terms of pixels. Your mind never focuses on the granular features of a cat. Analogously, we can think of deep learning models to perform the same task of feature selection implicitly. Given an image of a cat, the model learns to extract higher level features such as pointy ears, whiskers, size and so on to be finally able to classify that it is in fact seeing a cat. However, you still need lots of images of cats to be able to correctly classify an unseen image with a cat. 
If you search for cats on Google, you end up with a plethora of images of cats of different shapes, sizes and colors. However, if I give you the task of locating cancer cells in MRI scans of the liver, you will find it difficult to find readily available images online. On top of that, medical images are available for analysis only after consent from the patient. This makes medical images scarce. This is a roadblock now if I ask you to predict cancer cells in liver MRI scans. The essence of deep learning is more data, better predictions. So how do you circumvent this issue? Luckily, Olaf Ronneberger, Philip Fischer and Thomas Brox of the University of Freiburg thought about this problem and proposed a revolutionary neural network. It could perform the task of segmentation with very little data. Do note what I just said, performing the task of segmentation. Segmentation is different from classification in a way that while classification simply tells whether it sees a cat or not given an image, segmentation tells which pixels are part of the cat's body and which are not. You can call segmentation to be classification on a pixel level. Segmentation is important in medical imaging as segmentation of organs and other substructures allow quantitative analysis of clinical parameters. Furthermore, segmentation of tissues, cells and other microscopic entities from images help doctors tackle a wide gamut of diseases and even help in early detection of terminal diseases such as cancer. Therefore, segmentation is pretty important and it is necessary that we improve the quality of segmentation. Before UNETS, there was the sliding window based approach to segmentation. The work of Sarasan et al. trained a network to segment patches from an image. Their neural network is a very typical example of a convolutional neural network. You know the kind of schematic diagram you see on Google if you search convolutional neural networks? Specifically, an input image followed by some convolutional kernels, some downsampling using max or average pools and then finally flattening of the feature into a vector and further followed by some fully connected layers. Side note, max or average pooling is a common strategy in deep learning for downsampling features. It is essentially a window that selects a max value or average value from matrix on which it performs the operation. If you had an 8 cross 8 matrix and you wanted to reduce it to 4 cross 4 matrix, one of the ways would be to perform a max or average pooling with a kernel of size 2 cross 2 and stride 2. The idea behind doing this is that features are redundant in neural networks, therefore, selecting only the max. Only the maximum or average value of a set of features is sufficient to perform the task you want the neural network to do. Downsampling features are necessary as it decreases the computation required to run your model which translates to the size of GPU memory you need. Coming back to the topic at hand, the neural network of Sarasan et al. transforms an image into two values. The two values are used to classify a pixel into one of the two classes, foreground or background. So essentially, they move a sliding window across the image, crop the area over which the sliding window lies and segments the cropped area using their neural network. 
Theoretically, they have a large number of training images because there are many patches croppable from a single image. However, an immediately observable drawback is that it will take a lot of time for the network to classify the whole image because segmentation needs to be done for all the patches extracted using a sliding window. Furthermore, there is an obvious redundancy between two overlapping patches. Apart from that, there is a trade-off between the correct classification of pixels and use of context. In simple terms, larger patches, that is patches with more context, would need to be downsampled more for the network to be able to classify a pixel. Too much max pooling will make the network lose contextual information for segmentation. These problems were tackled head-on by the units. In summary, let me jot down the problems that the unit resolves. Number 1. The segmentation neural networks prior to units are slow because of the sliding window. Faster inference is desired. Number 2. Segmentation networks need to be able to take in the whole context, that is the whole image and not a part of it. Number 3. Segmentation networks need to be able to increase the context without causing a significant drop in the localization accuracy of the segmented class. Number 4. There is a scarcity of data in the medical field. We need a neural network that can generalize very well with very few training images. Let's head over to the core ideas to discuss how the paper resolves each and every issue. Let's talk core ideas. Number 1. The network is composed of two parts, a contracting path and expansive path. The contracting path is responsible for extracting contextual and high-level features. In CAT terminology, the network learns to identify whiskers, fur, small paws, and so on. Once the image is broken down to its high-level features, it goes into the expansive path. The role of the expansive path is to upsample the image in a way that is beneficial for the task of segmentation. The network finally outputs two images, one image containing the foreground and the other containing only the background. The novelty of their architecture is that the expansive path has a large number of feature channels. Side note, feature channel is a complicated word for a matrix. A color image has three feature channels or three matrices. One feature channel stores only red color values, the second feature channel stores green colors, while the third feature channel stores blue color values. In combination, they produce a unique color. Coming back to the core ideas, since there are many feature channels at the contracting and the expansive path, it allows the network to be fed the whole image and not a patch. Basically, there is a big enough room within the network to store all the important parts of a big image. Number 2. The contracting path of a network learns to extract high-level features by a series of convolution and max pooling. In simple terms, a bunch of matrix multiplications and followed by some decrease of resolution. Number 3. The expansive path of the network learns to segment the image from the extracted high-level features by doing a series of transposed convolutions followed by normal convolutions. In simple terms, transposed convolution is a learnable upsampling technique. We want the network to learn by itself what is the best way 
to increase the resolution of the image so it ultimately helps in the task of segmentation, therefore transposed convolution. Number 4. Feature channels of the contracting path are shared with the expansive path directly. Think of it this way, some matrices computed in the contracting path take a shortcut and directly reach the expansive path of the network. This is an important design choice that allows the network to pass contextual information to the higher level layers easily. Therefore, the network can localize better without losing context. Number 5. The network learns to generalize well to unseen images from little training data by doing heavy augmentation. They use augmentation such as elastic deformations. This makes the network invariant to deformations. Deformations are important in biomedical images as tissues and other cellular structures are prone to deformations. Therefore, being able to generate realistic deformations makes the network generalize very well to unseen images. Diving a little deep into the technical details, the authors add random distortion by sampling distortion vectors from a Gaussian distribution with 10 pixel standard deviation. These distortion vectors are used to add smooth deformations on coarse 3 cross 3 pixel patches in the image. Number 6. Units help in the task of segmentation of cellular images as well. If you ever come across a cellular image, you will see that many cells that are adjacent to one another do not overlap one another and instead have a fine boundaries separating one cell from another. These fine boundaries do not belong to any cell. When segmenting, these fine boundaries need to be segmented as background and not foreground. To make this possible, the authors do something really brilliant. They penalize the network more if it fails to classify these found boundary pixels as background whereas pixels belonging to regular background are penalized normally. In technical terms, they propose the use of a weighted loss where the separating background labels between the touching cell obtain a large weight in the loss function. As I said in the last episode, you can make the network learn some things better than the others by designing a clever loss function. Simply brilliant. Number 7. The number of feature channels in the contracting part are similar to the number of feature channels in the expansive part. If we were walking from the start to the end of the network, we would see an increase in the number of feature channels with the corresponding decrease in the height and width of the feature channel. We would finally reach a point in the network where the number of feature channels is the highest and the size of each feature channel is the lowest. The point that you reached is the bridge between the contracting and the expanding path. Further down the network, the opposite happens, that is, the feature channel increases in size while the number of feature channels decrease. This increase and decrease of feature channels with corresponding decrease and increase of feature channel resolution gives the network a U-shape and that is why it is called a U-net. Final thoughts. The authors showcase that segmentation capabilities of the network on three segmentation challenges. The first task is the segmentation of neuronal structures in electron microscopic recordings as part of the EM segmentation challenge. The training data is a set of 30 images. 
the organizers of this challenge evaluate a model's performance based on three metrics, namely pixel error, warping error, and rand error. I have attached an article in the description of this episode which wonderfully explains what these errors are. Please have a look at it if you want to dig deeper into what these error metrics represent. What to note here is that UNET performs very well in these metrics without having any post-processing steps. The authors mention that the model which beats UNET in RAND error had a data set specific post-processing step. UNETs did not. In the second task, UNET was applied to segment cells in light microscopic images. It contains 35 partially annotated training images. This segmentation task is part of the ISBI Cell Tracking Challenge 2014. The evaluation is done on intersection over union or ensured IOU. UNET achieves an IOU of 92% while the second best algorithm has an IOU of 83%. The final task on which UNET was applied is a segmentation of HeLa cells on flat glass recorded by differential interference contrast microscopy. It contains 20 partially annotated training images. They achieve an average IOU of 77.5% which significantly better than the second best algorithm with 46%. Side note, Hela cell line was created in 1951 from biopsy of a cervical tumor taken from an working class African American living in Baltimore, United States. The cells were taken without her or her family's consent. The cells became the first of its kind that were later grown well in a lab. Hela cells contributed to the development of polio vaccine, the discovery of human telomerase, and countless other advances. Why is it called Hela, you might ask? The African-American woman's name was Henrietta Lacks. Therefore, the term Hela is controversial owing to its perverted origin story. In a nutshell. Units were the first of its kind that were able to perform segmentation with very limited dataset. This made it a favorite network in medical image analysis research. They were able to perform amazing generalization to unseen images by designing the unit in a U-shape which specifically allowed efficient sharing of contextual and localization information. Furthermore, they employed heavy data augmentation to generalize very well to unseen images. Before UNETs, the number of papers that were published in application of deep learning to medical image analysis was less than 15 to 20 papers annually. Post UNETs, that is mid 2015 and onwards, number of papers published annually crossed 220 papers in 2016 and 2017, with segmentation application being the most favorite. Obviously, not all the success can be attributed to units, but there is no denying that this paper definitely revolutionized the medical image analysis community. This brings us to the end of our episode. I hope to see you at the next. Thank you.